Blog Talk Radio. It's Saturday morning. I'm actually up, as usual, doing other things as I'm even trying to get ready for the show. I always start early on Saturday, so I'll be ready. And I looked up and said, oh, my goodness, time to start the show. So I ran to uh, connect to to the show. We have a wonderful guest here waiting uh, to connect with each of you this morning, and I'm excited to introduce her to you. I enjoy when I research for each show now for 13 years. I learned so much about our guests during the research process and actual during the actual interview. But I, before I go on, before I leave, uh, we start the show with a quote. I want to remind you guys to set your clocks back. You know, you fall back and you spring forward. Uh, so you'll show up on time and not either too early or too late to work or some other event that you're going to. So that actually is supposed to be, I think, between either midnight or 2 in the morning tonight to uh, set your clock back an hour. But you'll get an extra hour of sleep. It'll just get dark earlier. It'll be light. It'll be light sooner, and it'll get dark sooner wherever you are. So that's a reminder. Remember to set your clocks back this weekend. So this is this is the uh, quote for this off-the-shelf show that I want to start the show with. It is not connected to the show. I just come up with the quotes first. And the quote is from George Herbert, and it is, Do not wait. The time will never be just right. Start where you stand and work with whatever tools you may have at your command, and better tools will soon be found as you go along. Things start to come together as we start making uh, those early steps and we have to be persistent because it doesn't always go the way we want it to at the start. So I want to welcome you guys and remind you that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. And welcome to this Saturday, November the 4th. Again, remember remember to set your clocks back, back one hour. Before I introduce our awesome guest this morning, I want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you value mystery and do you value relationships? And not just like a romantic relationship that you would find in a romance novel, but in this book there's a complicated relationship between a father and a son, and you get to see how that impacts the son's other relationships that he has with people after he goes to college in Pennsylvania and even after that. The son is very talented academically and in track and field. He has a a great life waiting for him, especially with this woman, but things that have happened to him in his childhood, will they hinder him? Will they keep him from doing what it is, enjoying what he could enjoy? If you value friendships, parent-child relationships and how they impact us, maybe for the rest of our physical experience, and mystery, because there's a murder mystery that Raymond also finds himself unknowingly involved in. He does; It just happens when he goes to campus. If you value those things, I think you will love Love Pour Over Me. And you can get Love Pour Over Me in ebook or print. If you don't see it on the bookstore shelves in print, just ask the clerk to order you a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get you a copy. And with the holidays coming... I really hope you give yourself a chance to enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Tanya Barbie. Now, Tanya grew up as the daughter of a military member, and we got Veterans Day coming up, so happy Veterans Day. And today, today she grew up as the daughter of a mil- somebody who served in the military. Today, Tanya is a writer She's an entrepreneur and a motivational speaker, and she is the founder of I Am Still a Rose. And I was listening to some Aretha Franklin cuts about a week ago, and I remember where she's got that line, a rose is still a rose. Now, we'll learn more about her organization later during today's Off the Shelf show. But Tanya is also the author of the book, The Little Girl Inside. Owning My Role and My Own Pain. What a title. The Little Girl Inside, Owning My Role and My Own Pain. You always look for somebody else to blame. Why am I in this situation? Because you got yourself in it. you got to figure <laughs> out a way out of it. 
She's also a resident of Bowie, Maryland, and she is the mother of four children. Please visit Tanya Barbie, and her last name is spelled B-A-R-B-E-E. So that's T-O-N-Y-A-B-A-R-B-E-E, in case you do a search for her online. Her website is IamStillARose.com, and it's spelled exactly the way it sounds, I-A-M-S-T-I-L-L-A-R-O-S-E.com. IamStillARose.com. We are so excited to have Tanya with us here on Off the Shelf, to have her join a long list of amazing guests we've had on for 13 years. So welcome to Off the Shelf, Tanya. Hi, Denise. Thank you for having me today. How are you doing? Um, I am blessed, and it is truly a, a pleasure to have you here. Again, every person, when I when I start doing Off the Shelf, one thing that I've, I know for sure, everybody is amazing. When you get to know people, you'll see that everybody is absolutely amazing. Nobody is, is not. Everybody's got an amazing mm-hmm. story. It is just a pleasure to have you on Off the Shelf this morning, Tanya. I'm one of the first four to five questions, or maybe the first three to four, I ask every guest. And I do that because I like to give our listeners a little backstory on a guest before we just launch into talking about their books or their or other services that they offer. So before we go into the questions about your books and your organization. Can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, a a great middle-class family. We had our issues, but my father was an, an Army officer, my mom an administrator at colleges, and uh, they they reared four girls, the Barbie girls, and we were <laughs> Army brats. So we went from state to state. Two of my sisters uh, lived in Germany for a short period, but overall we were in 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 the states. And then we sort of migrated to the DMV area, and that's where we reside now. Oh, okay. So you, t- so how many different? You never, you never lived outside the United States yourself. I know you actually, said, my mom was carrying me while I was in, while I was in her belly, while she was in Germany. But I came here and was born in Durham, just as uh, I, I got delivered in Durham, North Carolina, and we stayed there for the longest time. Then we stayed some about four or five years in Fayetteville. North Carolina, while my sister went to college there, and then we ended up up here in Washington D.C. And I ended up living in Bowie, and they all live in this area. Oh, okay. When you were a child, traveling so much, but I'm sure you had your, you know, as kids, we have an idea. So I've never met anybody who never wasn't able to answer this question. So we all, it seems like it's just across the spectrum. As kids, we have a dream, an ideal of something we want to be. When you were a child, what did you what did you dream of being? What did you want to be when you grew up? Believe it or not, I wanted to be a DJ. Oh, okay. I wanted to be a DJ, but I never thought I was articulate enough. I never thought I had the voice to be on the radio, but I inspired. And I heard everybody, all my favorites were from Howard University and a radio station, and I just loved to hear them to hear them talk and the music that they played. So I would actually be the DJ of my family, and when we would have parties and dances and stuff, I would play the music for them. So I thought I would grow up to be a DJ, but my mom always thought since I was the tallest daughter that I'd be a model, but I was never really interested in that. That was just too vain. I just didn't see me being a model. But um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a DJ. Okay. Now, how were you? you, I did a a volunteer event at Junior Achievement uh, where I work on Tuesday, and that's a question they asked everybody. What did you, what did you want to be when you were a kid? And only, I think maybe one person actually did what they, if that, what they wanted to be. And then they asked the kids. You know, we asked the kids, "What do you want to be?" And 
I want to be a, a, a an engineer. I want to be an aeroscientist. I want to this that. It's amazing how, and we have this clarity too about it. As a kid, uh, this question I asked on off the shelf. So few people end up doing what they say they want to do when they're kids. The same thing happened when we uh, we they asked that question of junior achievement of all the adults. I don't think anybody did what they said they wanted to do when they were a kid. Now, how old were you? When you, I was so you about. To be a, I was about twelve, thirteen, fourteen. But as I got older, and I started writing in high school, and I would write the plays for our high school, uh, for the senior class and the eleventh grade class as well. And I was in a humanities program. And then I said I could write. But then someone told me at school there was no money in writing. So I said, okay, I guess I won't write. And then somebody else said, oh, and you don't write that good either, so you better not write. And I left that alone too. So I didn't I didn't go after that dream either. Uh, but it was always in my heart to do both. So even now if I have a gathering, I would tell the DJ exactly what I want him to play, how I want him to play it, and I sort of like micromanage because inside I wish I was him or her, and this with writing I now am able to do that. So in a way now I'm able to live the dream a little, but I want to do more of both of those. Okay. You, you, you made a point, and I, this wasn't a question that I – had down to ask you, but you said something, and I've heard other people say it. So people told you, oh, writers don't make that much money, and you're not very good at it. I know a right. lady or, or English teacher marked up her paper, and she said she went like over 10 years and never wrote anything. Why do you think we let, we all have our, our opinions, our ideals, all, everybody. Why do you think we let another person's opinion have more impact on us than our own? That's a very good question, Denise, because we're kids, and we we trust what big people, as we call them when we're kids, we trust what they say. My nephew cried when oh, he was only, he was a senior in high school, and he cried when President Obama won the election the second time, or the first time. And uh, I said, wow, you're crying a lot. You okay? And he said, it reminds me, Aunt Tanya, of when my teacher, I told her I wanted to be the president. And uh. she said, he lived in Durham at the time, and she said when he wrote this note, he was in elementary school, and um, she, told, she told him, no, you can't write that. You're black. You'll, you'll, wow. Your color, mind you, your color will never be the president, you have to give me something else. So he turned in something else, but it made him sad because it it, it just broke his heart to hear that. And then to see that years later made him, it reassured him that she was wrong. But interestingly, that's why I want to write another book for young people not to listen to what adults say when they say they can't do something because they can. So that's on my that's on my list of books to write because we hear that so often and it and it destroy, it could destroy a kid. Yeah, and you it know could, what even it could as adults really destroy a kid. Even as adults and teenagers, we tend to give other people's comments, opinions more weight. Than our own, which is really, and it probably does go back to childhood, but it's strange. Yes. It's just another person's opinion. So why would you yes. give it more weight than you would give give your own? So what inspired you to go back to writing? You we were told all oh, the writers don't make money, and you're not very good at it. And you said, okay, so I won't do that either. What inspired you to finally say, you know what, this is this is what I'm going to do? Well, I started not listening to what people told me, and I started listening to that inner voice. And I have a lot of inner voices. I guess they say those are crazy people. But I started listening to the positive ones, and 
And those are my protective ones, I believe. I believe everybody has them. They have that inner child. They have that one yeah. that's powerful. And we chose to listen to whichever one we want to, uh, whichever one is most comfortable. Well, I tend to listen to the one that makes me jump out there. And now I do anyway. And and I was going through a lot. And uh, I went through the most the most ultimate betrayal in a marriage. And I didn't know how to... I didn't know how to go through the pain. I didn't want to go through any more therapy because I didn't think that they could help me with that situation. Uh, My pastor even didn't understand it, so they ran away. I had to go to another church because they even didn't know how to deal with it. So I had to start all over again, even in my um, my with my church family. Um, it was just a it was just a hard place to be, but God is always there. So yeah. even though no one else knew how to help me, I was able to pray about it. And while praying, I I knew I could write about it. So I started writing, and it just poured out every the, from the minute it happened, the whole ordeal. It was like I was supposed to write about it. And as I wrote about it, I cried about it. I prayed over it. I cried some more. I got angry. I got disturbed. I'm like, how did how did this happen to you? You're so smart. At least you think you're so smart. Maybe you're not so smart. So you start going through all of that, and um, then you start asking yourself some questions. Then you start evaluating yourself. I didn't want to blame others because I was a common denominator. So I said I had to start it. I had to start thinking about where I contributed in this situation. And I, I, as I was writing, I started taking ownership. So that made it easier to. Well, it made it harder to write, but it made it easier for me to become a better person and to attract better people in my life as well. So. That made it easier for me to write, and it made it therapeutic as well. So now writing is like a a second language to me, and I should have never given it up. And I want to slap those people that told me I should not write, don't make money. It's not about making money all the time. It's doing what you are happy doing. And like you said, that was a very – that was a – that quote that you gave at the beginning of your show was right on the money. You 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 just do it. You just take the first step. Um don't wait um for the right time, the the money to come in, the the right person. Um just take the first step. And if if you take the first step, all other avenues Everything will start lining up, but you have to take the first step, and and that's what I did with this book. And consequently, other books are lining up. Got another one coming out in uh, January. Got another one coming out February. Uh, things are just coming together. But it wouldn't have happened if I didn't sit down and write this first book and write my story. And share my story. And this is an embarrassing situation. Who wants to go around talking about how they've been duped and do it publicly? Well, if I can help five women in the room, even one woman in the room, it's okay. If I can help one man stop doing that to other women or one woman stop doing that to other men, um, I've done my part. So I don't even see it as an embarrassment anymore. I see it as a duty of mine. Mm. I wanted to ask you, before we go into the little girl inside, only my role and my own pain a little bit more, see some of what, and you just shared some of what inspired you to sit down and write the book. But I have to ask you this. You traveled, you, you, your mom was in Germany when she was carrying you and then you, back in the United States when you were born. How did, though, growing up as a child of someone serving in the military, as a writer, 
We're impacted by all of our experiences. They find their way into our works, whether we write nonfiction or fiction. How do you think growing up as a child of a military member impacted your writing? Um, well, he was always gone, and they divorced early, even though he was in my life. He was not around a lot because he was a true soldier. He loved fighting. Uh, I, I work with a lot of soldiers who are in the office. My dad was in the, he was in World War II. He was in the Korean War. This man was out there fighting the enemy day in, day out, and begging for tours to go back. He did not want to be back at home. He wanted to be out there. So I didn't spend a lot of time with him until I got older. Um, He wasn't good with girls. I think he wished he had boys. His only son died when he was an infant before my mom could even take him home. And um, that was a detriment to my family because he didn't know how to communicate with daughters. Me being the strong-willed, I would always tell him, Dad, you 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 suck. You don't know how to deal with your daughters. As a result of that, we're going to go out in the world not knowing how to communicate with men because you never taught us. Well, he's deceased now, so I won't go into too much detail about that. But he wasn't good with communicating with us. So when I wrote my book, um, I would like to say if I had had the relationship, a better relationship with my father, I think I wouldn't have met the person that I married. I wouldn't have met those type of husbands in the first place because if you... Mm. Um, it wouldn't have happened. When fathers are really prevalent in their children's lives, particularly their daughters' lives, um, the daughters, I, I, I would tend to think they don't make the same type of mistakes that those daughters that don't have their dads in, that li- in their lives will make. They mm-hmm. tend to look for either a father figure or they tend to not know what they're looking for, so they may get anything because they were never taught what to look for, or they get a big mess because they thought it was everything that they should be looking for. So Mm -hmm. either way, um, if you don't have that connection, that relationship with your father, the way that a daughter should. Um, uh, your your relationship with your spouse is, is is has a tendency to not go well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a a brief overview? And thank you for for what you share. I always believe that the, the right people will listen to the show, and something that somebody else might have struggled through. It'll it'll eliminate that struggle for them. Their eyes hopefully will just open. Yes. Yes. Can you give us a brief overview of the little girl inside? Uh, And what are some of the subjects that you cover in the book? And when you say the little girl inside, for our listeners, are you focusing on your childhood? Or when you say the little girl inside, or as experiences you've had mainly as a grown woman? Uh, Denise, I was a little girl inside while I was married. I was married four times, thinking I was an adult. I was an adult woman physically, but mentally I was a little girl because I was thinking of about the fairy tale because I was an avid reader. I loved the Brady Bunch, so I figured I loved princesses, I loved reading all the Disney shows and whatnot. And and so I tied all marriages to the fairy tale that it's going to work. Everything's going to be beautiful. Everything's going to be perfect. Um, There are not going to be any issues that you can't resolve. 
They're going to love you for the, till death do you part. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to be hunky-dory. And I found out four times that didn't work out that way. And each time it got worse. And that's that's where the little girl came in. She was looking for a fairy tale life that didn't exist. Wow. And and you know what? I don't know if you've ever read this book. I heard it on a TV show. And I actually went out and bought, got this book, and it was a great book. And I said, I don't think any woman should enter a serious relationship without reading this book. And it's the Cinderella Complex, if I remember the title of it. And even That's a women, very the woman, good book. Yes, the woman who wrote it, has, she had a very impactful career that other people would look up to and say, wow, she's very accomplished. And when she tell, talks about her experiences, went looking for a man to save her. And this is a woman who's taking care of her own kids. She's got a right. career going. She's making money. In New York and in Manhattan, she's making it work. And when she got married, she just like became a kid. So you, you that book, I said no woman should get married without that book. Yeah. Or get in a serious relationship because you might think you're a very strong woman. Read that book and see if you don't see bits and pieces of yourself in there. It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your Absolutely. mind. And I think we're just like we're we're almost raised as women to to care about how we look and attract a man so he'll take care of you and give you a good life because you can't get it for yourself. Now, now your book opens with a chapter on dreams. We were talking about childhood, what you want to be when you grow up earlier. How much impact uh, did did your, and, and I kind of asked you this earlier, your, your, your experiences coming up, particularly like your teenage years, that's when we're really hormones changing. We're starting to look at life like who can I pick to take my parents' role to take care of me from here on out. But how did all that, those experiences in your teen years, your dreams, you talked about watching the Brady Bunch and you believed that this fairy tale life with a man was out here. But how much did those dreams really impact you? And I ask you this from this point. Certainly you saw in your own life people's relationships working, not working. So did you really, really believe, really believe there was somebody out there you could have a perfect relationship with? Did you still have that belief? Yes, especially in high school. Oh, yes, I did. And and that was my mother's belief. So my my mother instilled in us her four daughters, her Barbie girls, that the Barbie dolls that you you're 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 gonna have it. I raised you to have it. You little princesses, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get the right man. He's gonna be rich. He might even be a football player or a basketball player, and he's gonna take care of you. You just you just look good and act good. And I'll teach you how to do both of those things. So it took a while for me to realize that's not enough. And that's not what I want. So I I had to learn that that's, that's, that's not what we want to do with our girls. But in the Cinderella uh, comp, the book that you mentioned, um, if I remember correctly, uh, we were taught, she was taught in that book, the author, when we fall, the parents run to our aid, wipe us off. Oh, you're going to be okay. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, let's get a Band-Aid. Let's, let's, let's. Oh, poor thing. I'm so sorry. They take us in the house. We're limping. When a kid, when a boy falls, he's expected to get up, wipe it off, stand firm, don't even cry. We were taught to feel different even as an early age. And as a result of that, we are so different. We hurt different. We feel different. But all of this was taught to us. It was a learning behavior. It was a learned behavior. So when I was writing this book, my dream was, Initially, 
until I got some sense. Well, I didn't get any sense in my head until I was in my late 40s. But the dream was to have a family and to get it right. So if you didn't get it right the first time with the first spouse, I would try it again. If I didn't get it right with him, I would try it again. So that's when I had to start looking in the mirror because guess who was the common denominator in there? Mm. Me. They weren't in wow. each picture. They weren't in each in each wedding photo. It was me. Wow. So let me ask you. I had real pardon. No go. No go ahead. I wanted to ask you something, but go ahead. So so ahead. that's what I had to work on. I had to work wow. on me because that's when I realized something was something had to be corrected. I have to ask you this, Tanya, and I really appreciate what you're sharing. Again, I hope it helps somebody, uh, that would, whether the show stays up for maybe a year or so. However long it's up, I can remember I wrote an article once years ago, and I thought, oh, not, not, nobody's really going to really pay attention to that article. And I got an email from somebody who told me her sister had passed and she was raising her young daughter. She read my article because I grew up without my mom. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh, that's me for guidance. So hopefully somebody will listen to the show, who knows when, and you might save them from going through what you went through. You, you just never know. But I, this is what I wanted to ask you. Where did you find the courage? Where did you find the courage to say, I got to, it's me, I'm the, I've got to change? Where did you even find the courage to accept that? As I was writing, Denise, and I was rereading what I wrote, because I had to be my first editor before I gave it to another editor, and I said, oh, my gosh, who does this? And as I'm giving advice, at the end, the last chapter, I'm giving a lot of advice to women, particularly women. And um, I said, i got to take this advice. I need to take this advice first because I didn't do any of this. I accepted these husbands in my life without knowing their backgrounds, I took their words for everything. I wow. didn't take their action. I didn't see. I listened. I didn't see what they were going to do. I didn't see what they had. I listened to what they had. So we we have to take ownership when we hear flags going off in our head and we chose to ignore them, when we choose to ignore the warning signs, we have to take ownership. Mm. We can't blame that person for manipulating us. We have to blame ourselves for being manipulated. Wow. Let me we have to blame ourselves for allowing someone to take advantage of us. Okay, so let's say you, you come in, maybe somebody's more experienced with something than you are, so they have patterns that that you don't have. So you could be seen as somebody who's innocent, like you're unaware of maybe, like you said, some manipulative tactics. You maybe grew up in a family where you didn't see people cheating on each other. So that's new to you, but somebody else, it's not new to them. Or you, you, I had a friend who uh, got married, her second marriage, and the guy had a drug addiction. She said, I, I, she said, I, w- I wouldn't have known what to see with that if you hit me in the face with it because she didn't grow up around around that. So let me, this is the question I wanted to ask you. You said we just take what somebody's telling us, especially when you think of social media. People can actually have somebody write their responses to you if you're doing online dating. They're not even writing it. So uh, they can have somebody else pay somebody to write their profile for them. So right. this so you say don't and, don't just take their words. Do you think right. so a 
is it a sign for some people it might show a lack of trust in somebody you're dating, you've been with for a couple of months, that you're actually checking out what they said. Do you see that as a negative thing to do? Like, okay, this guy told me he worked for as a financial advisor and he makes six figures a year. Let me check that out to you. Or he told me he's not married and he doesn't have kids. But I'm getting an odd feeling around that. Let me do some digging. Do you do you can do you see somebody's standpoint where they say, well, if you got to do that, then just get out of it altogether? Would you well, say to just double check what people tell you instead of just taking it at face value? I I I don't want to seem like the because I don't I, I somebody's already already sent me an email saying that you are a, a, a male basher. And um, I'm really not a male basher, but a, a, a deadbeat person would probably call me that. I look at it that way because what I like to do, and this goes for women too, because there are women out there that take advantage of good men. I have I just got a call the other day from a 44-year-old man who was with a woman for 10 years who just called him the lowest thing in the world for a man who provides for her. He married her. They have two beautiful children. They have a beautiful home that he provides for her. She's uh, high in the government. He's a, he's a blue-collar worker, and she downs him because he's a blue-collar worker, not a white-collar worker, and she doesn't like his dirty clothes when he comes in the house, but he's a provider. So my point is it goes both ways. It's not always one way. But I was that person that you just described. That's why it's important that young people, and particularly us parents, we have to tell our children early in life there are shysters out here. There there are cons out here. There are people that will take advantage of you. We have to tell them that in elementary school. They're selling drugs. They're taking knives. My son is 12 years old. They're doing they're doing bad things in 12 in in, high, in elementary schools right now. But we're shielding them. Why are we shielding them? So when they get in high school, they don't see it coming. So when they're in in their 20s, they meet this con artist, they're not prepared, so they believe everything he says. No, I'm not saying we need to prepare people for warfare when it comes to these types of people, but they do need to be more educated when it comes to these types of people. So with flags, we're all protected with angels. That's what Joel Osteen says. We all have angels protecting us. So... If you're meeting someone and they're giving, they sound so good, but something is going off in your head saying, this is not feeling right. You're, this is not true. Something's not right with this guy. Something's not right with this woman. If you're getting those feelings, I guarantee you 90% of the time that feeling means you need to not trust that person 100%. And it's okay to check things out. It's okay to ask for evidence. I'm dating a person for five years. He knew what I went through. He read my manuscript before it went out. And you know what he says? You know, after what you've been through, you should ask me how much I make. So he's taught taught me a lot. He said, you should want to know where I live. You should want to know my family. So if they're good people, they're going to help you through that journey. They're not going to want to take you down that journey again. They're going to want to stop that journey from repeating itself. Mm. Now, you, you talk about in in um, in your book, and the title of the book for our listeners, again, is The Little Girl Inside, Owning My Role in My Own Pain. You talk about these three different types of eyes, the starry eyes, the open eyes, and the weary eyes. Did you go through all those, and can you just let our listeners know some signs that they might be dealing with that stage uh, right now? 
well, you're gonna you you when you see these people, you're gonna you're gonna have these feelings because this that that husband who betrayed me was the smartest man I've ever met in my life. He probably mm-hmm. has the highest IQ. He could probably outsmart a politician or anybody. He he can he can go in a room right now and date and pick out any woman in the room he wants and date her and marry her wow. the next week. Although he all he he's already married. That's why we we that's why we got an annulment. He's still married to his first wife after thirty uh-huh. years. So my point is that you you don't know. It's it's they all have different characteristics. This is what was mine, and wow. you may feel different when you see these people. Um, this guy was a sociopath. What I recommend every single woman do is read about sociopaths because they are coming more clever every day, and they don't feel pain. They don't feel pain. So they can destroy your life and see you crying and see your life destroyed where you've lost your job, you've lost your car, you've lost everything you've worked hard for, and they will just walk out your life because you've, closed, you've, you've opened your door to say, leave. And they move on to the next person or let's say the next victim because that's what they like to do, victimize. So that's what I highly recommend to the people listening today or tomorrow or years from now. Study social because if you study them, you'll have your you'll have a leg up on those who don't because you don't see them coming. They're very very clever and they victimize smart women. So I thought I would when I read when I read my own book, I said, Dad, I must be dumb. Lord, how did he get away with this? <laughs> he wrote me a check. <laughs> he wrote me a check one day for the mortgage and it was a a check that he made off the computer. Oh Lord. He wrote a cashier's check off the computer and the only reason I knew it was fraudulent was because it was my printer and I'm right I'm writing I'm doing my masters so I'm I'm familiar with my paper that I'm using on a daily basis and I just when I when he handed it to me I'm like gosh this this feels like my own paper and I looked at it I said you gave me a fraudulent check too so you you they never stop if I could just tell you over and over again. I don't even think that's in that book. I'm writing another book about just a, 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 a more of the story in this book. This one didn't make the first cut, I don't believe. But um, you don't see it coming. Um, you have to know those type of people. So it does, if you, if we can re, if we can be on Facebook all day and other social media, we can take the time out of our busy schedules and our and our uh, our light time when we don't have anything to do to read up. Just Google it. You'll be surprised the stuff that that sociopaths do to good people, and they don't care about it. They don't care about destroying our lives, and that's what and you know what I, was. Well, I think before we do anything, take a job, move, relationship. I don't know anything that's more impactful on us. It has the strongest imprint on whether we we experience joy or peace or not is a relationship. I would really encourage anybody to go into prayer and meditate, and I mean the, the part of you that keeps saying "Go for it, go for it, go for it." You just have to be. Still, and just say I'm not gonna make any moves. I gotta get a green light from the Lord. I'm I'm yes. not gonna con myself. I'm not gonna give myself no fantasies. I'm not gonna daydream about this relationship with this person. I I I've gotta wait. We interviewed somebody years ago on this show. Her mother kept telling her this guy is no good that you're about to marry. But if you make your bed hard, her mother told her you're gonna lay in it. I'm not gonna help you. And did wow. she ever make her bed hard? 
Oh, I, I, it would blow your mind with this guy. It, it was mind-boggling. Wow. But when you say sociopaths, also people with narcissism, they're very charming. And yes. once you get pulled in, I, I, is no joke. What? So, so it's checking on somebody when those red flags go off, like you said, that angel might be telling you, uh, don't run in that house. The 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 guy with the butcher knife in the house. Yeah, you watch absolutely. you watch a horror movie and people run into the wrong part of the woods or the wrong That's house. Right. We run into That's the wrong right. relationship and you're like, don't go in there. Yes, and, and it's, half it's the a, time they, they don't have any material possessions. They they use yours. They just got kicked out of where they were. So they need to move on to yours. You never, they they usually never have anything, and when you meet them, they're moving out of theirs because they're being kicked out of it. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's another sign that I should have seen. Ah, so do your research. Is you're not being a bad woman. Women check up on guys anyway after they end the relationship, but do some checking beforehand. Especially if you're yes. at the age where you have children, this man could become the father of your children. So do your children a favor if you're not willing to do it for yourself, and then do that research and make sure you make a right choice to give your kids the best chance by picking a good, a good parent for your child. Yeah, Tanya, what did you, what did you learn about yourself? Oh, before I ask you this question, you gave one tip, but are there any any you said study on social paths, and I would suggest people study narcissism because they're very charming. Are there any other signs other than researching these things that a man or a woman, because men get duped as well, that people can look for that signal other than those inner that inner impulse telling you, hey, don't go, don't do it, don't do it. Are there any other signs to look for that a relationship might not be right? Number one and number two, what do we do when the, our mind starts telling us, no, it is that y'all going to have a perfect relationship together? How do we combat that, given into that temptation? Uh, um, when, you, when you have that, that, that to me could be the devil. Because guess what? Mine knew every scripture in the Bible. He knew every scripture in the Bible. I said, Lord Jesus, thank you. I hit the jackpot. Thank you, Lord. This man knew every scripture in the Bible and could explain it to you. We had Bible study in our home while he was talking to his baby's mama in another room that I didn't Uh. even know was a baby's mama while the Uh pastor was in the house. Wow. And come right back. And and she told me later, Tanya, I heard you all having Bible study. Wow. And I was thinking he was on a business call. So looking back, they can play on you and they can use God while they're doing it. So you got to really be smart. You got to really know God you got to pray first about everything because if you pray first, what I love about praying, he showed me all the things I needed to know to get rid of And I was able to get him out of my life. I even got a $10,000 lawyer for free. He took my case for nothing. That was all the grace of God. And I was able to get annulled. All that came from praying. So the first thing, since you wanted to know some some suggestions, they need to pray. That that's very powerful. That's like having a room full of guns in your house, because he will make a way for you. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And so when that and you said that little voice inside, just keep. Like I said, just be still, because it does seem to be a part of what many people I've spoken to that tells you it's going to be perfect. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Sort of like the apple. This is going to solve everything, so do it. You just have to get still and and just wait, wait for an answer from 
and 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 they have and they, and what I learned from all of this is as I had to learn so much later in life in my forties. Look, pe- people out there, don't wait till your forties. It's nothing gonna be perfect. All these people that have these couples that have been married for forty, fifty, sixty years. If they tell you their marriages were perfect, they're lying. Yeah. They went through cheating. They went through hell, and they decided to stay together in spite of all that. And if any of them tell me that didn't happen, please write me up so that I can write a story about your life. (laughs) (laughs) Their marriage was not perfect. Only God is perfect. They went through some things. And I think I, that's I part know of the they problem. went through some things. I think that's part of the problem, Tanya. Like with the Hollywood, all this sexual harassment coming out that's been going on for, yes. for forever. But it's it's we people put on an a front, even in relationships, people you see at church, people you see in your community, they they seem like the perfect couple. And yes. that's I think that's why a lot of people some people say, I want what they have. But if you only they need to stop it. (laughs) Yeah, you You know what? I want to tell. I want quickly. I I want to share with your your listeners this. I used to think that way when I was raising my daughter, by my two daughters by myself, my son too, um, and we left our three hundred fifty thousand dollar home because that that husband and I broke up, and. They saw me, I'll never forget it, they saw me packing up and they looked at me, oh, poor thing, that single parent. So they wouldn't let their kids play with my kids as much. And they sort of treated us differently. Well, guess what? Mine done graduated. They got good jobs. They're living good. Their children's still at home. So my point is, don't think the grass is greener on the other side just because the package looks better on the other side because it doesn't always mean that it is. So that's what I would like for people to take away from that because I always thought if there's a – to the couple over there, and I'm going to church, I'm by myself, and I got my kids with me. Oh, look at them. I don't think that way anymore. I go in there with my head up, and I'm so proud to not have those sorry husbands on my shoulder and to know that I am okay the way God made me. He got me through that mess, and I'm standing tall. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm having a lot of migraines, though, but he's going to get me through that, too, and everything is going okay. In spite of the fact I'm not walking in church matching up with my husband with the purple dress and he got the purple tie, it's okay. And we need to get over that as women and not think the grass is greener on the other side because overall it's not. It's not. We're coming down to like six minutes, and I had a lot of other questions I wanted to ask you about. I want to talk about... Your organization, I Am Still a Rose. Can you tell us about some of the services that I Am Still a Rose offers? Yes. I am in the process of getting T-shirts and affirmations. Um, They're going to be magnets and they're going to be T-shirts and sweatshirts and pins and other paraphernalia that they can have where no matter what they're going through, throughout the day, throughout the year, I want them to be reminded that they are still I'm I'm I might have had a crappy day, I might not feel good, my man might have left me, he might have slapped me, took all my money, but I am still a rose. God has blessed me with my life. I'm still beautiful. I still got it going on and I'm gonna be okay. So that's what I want people to take away from that organization. And I am going to make it a nonprofit organization because we want to go out and talk to people, and I'm going to be um, producing plays where when they walk out of there, they're going to feel better, they're going to laugh, 
It's going to be some painful situations because it's going to be about life, but they're going to be able to walk out of there with a plan in mind so that they can change their life and start looking within to make some changes. No more woe is me. We got to start making a difference. We got to get out of the ruts that we have got ourselves in. And if we didn't get ourselves in it, we have to make a plan to make a change. So my business is going to help do that, and um, that's what we're working on now. So the website is going to be revamped. There are going to be more books um, published through that organization. Um, And we're going to be doing a lot. I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements, and things are just really rolling just because I took that first step. And uh, mm-hmm. things are just over. It's overwhelmingly busy now, and I'm just so blessed. And I'm blessed for to have people like you in my life. And uh, we're gonna do some things. And the, the ultimate goal is to help others. And that's what I want to leave with, women. We gotta stop hating on each other. We need each other. You just think of we all supported each other instead of competed with each other. We we gotta love each other to grow, and because if we can get together and 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 take care of your mission, your goals, you help me with my goals. Can you imagine what we can do as a, as as women together? So that's what I want to do, and that's uh, okay. that's the mission. Do you have any plans to bring your plays to online platforms like Vimeo, Netflix, or YouTube? Oh, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that. Thank you for that idea. I'll see what we can do. Okay. 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 Can okay. You tell I like that. It, it would be great to to see one of your plays on on online. Uh, you, you know, sharing your stories in that format. Where, where can listeners get a copy of your book? Um, the book is available everywhere. My son just asked me the other day, hey, Mom, you need to be on Books a Million. And I said, okay, Zach, I'll try it. I'll see what I can do. And I said, oh, wow, I am on Books a Million. So um, I'm typically in all the uh, e-sites, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and um, some book bookstores. And uh, also, if they email me on IamStillARose.com, I can always mail them a copy out. But um, um, I just want to get it in particularly women's hands so they can, if they they don't need it, share it with someone who's going through something. I guarantee them, at the back of the book particularly, it shares with people uh, advice. Um, how 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 to how to how to start something new, so that you can get rid of the old. Because all that stuff that happened to me, I don't even think about it anymore. Only time I think about it is when I have to share. Because you almost had me teared up today. But it's only to go through it, to talk about it. But I don't I don't I, I it's not it's not hurting me anymore. It's just painful that I had to go through that, and it's painful to think that other people are going through that. But I don't let it hurt me anymore, and I'm in prayer that I can help others get through uh, ordeals like that. Well, I want to thank you, Tanya. We, Our special guest on Off the Shelf this morning is Tanya Barbie, and that's B-A-R-B-E-E. We want to thank her. She was very Transparent as we've just been blessed here on Off the Shelf. Our guests are transparent, and they share so much that uh, I benefit from and our listeners also benefit from. So we want to thank Tanya Barbie uh, for being here with us today. She's a writer, an entrepreneur. She's a motivational speaker, and she's the founder of I Am Still a Rose. She's working on her products for I Am Still a Rose and, and revamping the website She's also the author of the book, The Little Girl Inside, Owning My Role and My Own Pain. And she let us know this morning as she's working on another book. And Tanya is also the mother of four children. I encourage you to visit her online at IamStillARose.com. And it's spelled exactly the way it sounds, I-A-M-S-T-I-L-L-A-R-O-S-E.com. Again, IamStillARose.com. We want to thank Tanya again. And we want to thank all of our listeners. We 
encourage Thank you to you. come back. Just mark it on your calendar next Saturday, every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time to tune in to Off the Shelf. You can dial in, which a lot of listeners dial in. A lot of people connect via iTunes. There's so many ways to connect, uh, and then we have a few people who come in through the chat room, but we have a lot of listeners who come in through iTunes and other different formats to to catch the show live and in the archives. If you came in midstream or near the end of the show and you want to listen to it in entirety, once it finishes streaming, it will be in the archives, and you can listen to it as many times as you like. You can also maybe encourage somebody else if you don't want to say to them, hey, you might want to think about the relationship you're getting into or in, just you could just share the link with them, and they can listen for themselves and glean whatever they want uh, out of it, hopefully, and be blessed. So we want to thank Tanya Barbie again. Remember, set your clock back an hour this weekend. Set your clock back an hour this weekend. And see you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tanya, I will send out an email as soon as the show finishes streaming so you can share it with your supporters. Remember, as I always tell you, all of our listeners, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are awesome. You were created that way. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday. Bye for now. Thank you, Denise. It was a pleasure. Thank you.